Hello, and welcome to the Pixel Pitch Podcast. We are given a year in video games, and one of us picks a game from that year for the rest of us to play. I am your host, Al, and I am joined by my other hosts. Kit. It's fine, Kit. you're one being, melded yeah. together. <laughs> and our special guest, returning once again. Also Kit and Falana. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Wait, no, my, my name is Frank. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Frank is joining us in our journey through the year of 1980 in video games. We just got done with one of our choices. And uh, Kit, you have a game that you wanted to pitch to all of us today. Yes. And now this is not my forte. I didn't really start playing games until well into the life of the PlayStation 1. Uh, I never really had access to anything older than that. Never really until recently started getting the ability to go to arcades. So... I looked over a list of games that came out in the 1980s, and I went with one that visually I thought just looked really neat. And that game is called Sasuke vs. Commander. So, have any of you heard of this game? Never heard of this before, no. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No, Frank? actually, I don't think so. <laughs> well, you guys are not alone in that. Uh, <laughs> this game, uh, as I've been trying to find information about it, there really isn't much to it. Uh, it was an arcade game, came out in the 1980s. It was, uh, from what I can gather, the third game that SNK ever released. Ooh. And this was back uh, from when they were still labeling themselves as Shin Niho and Kikaku. Uh, and it was a year or so into game developing at this point. Prior to that, they were making software and hardware they realized, hey, these video game things, they're getting kind of popular, these arcade machines. Let's give it a shot. Uh, so they made Ozuma Wars, which was a vertical space shooter. Uh, another game called Safari Rally, which also very little about that game out there. And then this was kind of their third game. It is kind of like a vertical space shooter, just skinned a little bit differently bright, bright, bright colors. And one of the other fun things I found out about it is that it's one of the first games that had bosses in it. Really? Yeah. So you play you play as this ninja, Sasuke, who is defending his shogun from these commanders, as they're called. After you beat a bunch of them, their boss shows up. You beat him up, you go to the next stage, and that's it. A nice little arcade game. This is fascinating wow. to me, actually. Yeah, I love this era where they're basically inventing the wheel as they're driving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've hit the, the birth of video games, the dawn yeah. of an age. Yeah. We mentioned a couple watershed moments in video games that we didn't realize how important they were. I, this era, like this year, in fact, is just going to be made up of all of that. Um, unintentionally just creating the, the bedrock for everything else to be built on. Yeah. And the fact that this is one of the first games that featured bosses, and it's still something no one's really heard of, is extraordinarily fascinating to me because that proves that there was so much just building off of ideas, going to the arcade, seeing what other people are making, let me use that idea, and it all just eventually kind of amalgamated into what gaming is now. I mean, you talk about like people not knowing this, but like how many people remember like the Fairchild with the original uh, video, the original console that actually had cartridges. 
um, the first of its kind. Normally, you had you bought a system, you had whatever was on it, and you know, good luck with that. Uh, it's like, and even the creator, like for years, went unknown for like creating this thing that you know everyone used for decades afterwards. Like, would there have been a Nintendo without like Nintendo cartridges? Yeah, I had never even heard of that. Same. There seems there's so much from this period of time that I do feel you can have that reaction to that. Uh, what? I've never heard of that. But then you you can then find out, no, it's incredibly influential, even though you've never heard of it. I feel like part of this is the fact that it's 1980. I, I'm going to tell you, I don't think my parents had even met at this point. That's how far <laughs> away from my very existence the year 1980 is. Wow, we have Ooh. not addressed this. Um, uh, some yeah. of us weren't born when this came in the- yeah. My first grandchild was already in college when this game was out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm hyped for this. I'm I'm ready to get playing. Yeah. And we're back. We've all played Sasuke versus Commander. We all like got, got together, like in a in an arcade. No, that didn't actually happen. We uh, no. we went out. And we no. found a way, whatever ways we could yeah. to actually like you know uh, play this game in whatever fashion we could. I used the time machine. Yep. I, yeah, <laughs> it was very elaborate. I probably should have just downloaded Mame, but nope. I'm a purist, so time there machine. Yeah. yeah. Ah, the dream. Sorry about uh, what I did to uh, all the now unknown presidents from 1980 till now. I mean, I've tr- I screwed everything up, really. <laughs> Everyone you thought was like, I know you guys don't know any of this, but really, I messed things up. Ronald Reagan? <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Anyway, go on. I, I can't believe Whoops. you humiliated them so heavily at Sasuke vs. Commander. Yes. <laughs> I challenged all sitting presidents from 1980 till now. <laughs> but yes, we've uh, played this sort of forgotten arcade classic of, of Sasuke versus Commander, which is basically you're a, a, a ninja of some kind or another, and you're fighting other ninjas in what is best described as kind of a shoot 'em up or a shmup styled arcade game. You know, like yeah. Galaxian or Galaga or Space Invaders, that type of uh, game. Right. Yeah. You're in Kyoto. Your shogun says, "Hey, defend." And you, the ever, the ever delightful ninja, go, okay, boss. And then you go defend. That yeah. is that is the plot. <laughs> yeah, that's the opening scene. That's your whole uh, player character dialogue. Yes, Shogun. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Classic, classic 1980s video game. <laughs> and honestly, well, more plot than most of those games ever got. Like, I don't know what's going yeah. on with Pac-Man. <laughs> Are my, am I a good guy, a bad guy? I don't know what's happening there. It's it's crazy. But in this one, uh, Shogun has asked me to protect my life from Ninja. And don't kill them all. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, Shogun. Thank you. It's minimalist. And then you do. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're lucky. Yeah, I mean, cause even even if you kill them all, and I think this is probably one of my favorite aspects of the gameplay, even if you kill them, you still got to dodge that falling body. Yeah. Otherwise, yep. you're dead. <laughs> you too are dead. That was that was so weird when you first start out 
Mm-hmm. Uh, is the idea of like, you know, you're, uh, you want like, cause that doesn't happen in many other games of its type. If I'm playing Galaga, the spaceships don't fall and crash into me. Yeah. That's, that's kind of interesting. Like you got to be really careful where you wind up like, you know, uh, shooting these guys out of the air because they could very easily just land on you and that's it. That's game over. We should describe gameplay a little bit because this is such a rare cut. And I know the Sasuke heads are, are fuming for the number of times we said that this is a, a forgotten uh, gem. But it is, for most people, uh, not well known. I think we should probably describe what it looks like and how it plays. You are a singular ninja at the bottom of the screen. And you are nine times out of ten in a forest where... Ninjas on kites are sort of flying back and forth at various <laughs> speeds and uh, patterns, and you just have to shoot them out of the sky with what I assume are like your ninja stars, yeah, like little shuriken. Yeah, yeah, your shurikens. Yeah, you got you got your red flying parachute ninja. You got your <laughs> green flying parachute ninjas, and then you have the magic bonus ninjas, the mini bosses. And I think our research, I think what we said was that this is like one of the first games that had mini bosses. Is that right? Well, it's the first game to actually have like bosses uh, like per se. And and it's weird to say if they're bosses or not, because these are all like bonus stages where you don't it doesn't matter if you beat them or not. You're still you you still progress. Yeah. But it's interesting because this is what we think of as a boss fight. You go through the level and then there's the big guy at the end that you go and you fight him and he's different and more dangerous than the other ones yeah that's really cool yeah like they're kind of they're kind of like an optional boss <laughs> this is like one of the first games to ever actually like call it a boss and market it as a boss very sort of what makes it notable yeah can you imagine what like modern games or not even modern just any games of the boss fight if it obeyed the rules because like what what we were it's a very interesting point you the boss fights here are less uh, impactful in many ways because they don't kill you, right? It's just you get bonus points or what have you. So imagine if like you were playing Castlevania Symphony, Symphony of the Night, but instead of fighting like, uh, who's a good boss? What's what's a fun death. boss? Oh yeah, okay. Instead of fighting death and then dying at death's <laughs> hand, if you win, you get an extra like turkey leg which heals you up a little bit better. <laughs> like it's nothing, It's that's that would be incredibly weird. I, to be fair, uh, that's that's one of the things that people tend to really enjoy about Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Elden Ring is that there are bosses that you do have to fight, but then there are some bosses that are just they're just there, and if you want to go fight them, you can fight them, you know. So I like I like this trend, and I think it's really great that like it did, you know, it it had roots in cool being a voluntary thing but the boss fights themselves are actually pretty fun i think we can say that like as much as i enjoy the the meat and potatoes of the gameplay the boss fights are are there a variety well i felt like the uh the basic level design each time was kind of the same it would speed up and that would kind of be about it or the patterns would kind of be a little different but the boss fights had a like i think there was like four or five different kinds like there was the guy that turned into the log there was the guy that spit fire there's a few other ones. What were they? Yeah, there was um one he does like shadow clones of himself. That was great. Yeah, that one yeah, was that cool. Yeah, that was cool. There's lightning guy, right? Yes, oh, there yeah. is. Yeah, lightning guy. Yeah. I think that was all of them. It, it is a nice variety. Like it's because you don't fight the same guy over and over again. And I I kind of wish that had translated over to the, the gameplay itself. 
But at the time, that just wasn't what you did. You you went in there and you fought the same thing over and over again because you just wanted to get higher and higher points. It was there was no like beating the game. Well, there were some games you could beat, but that was a rarity. And often it's like memory errors. <laughs> you beat yeah. the game and it just like spits out. Uh, sorry, we ran out of RAM. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. I mean, the boss fights were definitely a highlight for me. Uh, but the design on even the like rapid fire boards uh, were great. There's something about that blue night sky and then the darkness and you could see the temple in the background and then there's a golden road and the red trees it's so evocative it's a beautiful game i can just imagine playing this in an arcade like it's dark all around you and all you have is just these very bright pixelated just all of the layers and the ninjas are coming out of the trees it's lovely Like, I, I'm very excited to, because I, I ended up playing this through um, an emulated version on Steam. And I was looking around to see if there was an arcade that happened to have one of these machines around me. And it is going to be a goal of mine to try to locate one, because I, I do. I think this game is beautiful in its re-releases. I can only imagine how great it is and must feel on an arcade machine. And I think, I'm not 100% certain about this, but all the art I've seen of it, of the of the cabinet itself, it's a cocktail cabinet, which are my personal favorite. I just love Ooh, cocktail cabinets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's going to be even harder to find because their footprints yeah. are different and, <laughs> you know, it's a whole thing. You can't, you can't as easily stack those up or uh, along a wall. Uh, and the the screen orientation is all. It must have been so disorientating to play this in a ca- in an arcade at the time, because you're looking down at a vertical field, and it's effectively it's bullet hell, right? It's it's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> not only are you being attacked by shuriken and 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 corpses, <laughs> but like it's everywhere. It is literally, and I didn't. I died so many times in the beginning because I had no idea what was killing me. And I was like, oh, the bo- the bodies are killing me. I should get out of the way of the bodies. <laughs> I thought they yeah. were still alive and punching me or something at the end. But I'm like, oh, I'm sh- I shot that guy. I'm like, oh, he is dead. His body. Because they, they turn pink when you kill them. And yeah. they go, like, floppy. It is honestly amazing how expressive they managed to make these, like, bare bones pixels. Like, mm-hmm. you can yeah. tell that dead ninja is floppy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's something sh- yeah. someone should sample at home <laughs> <laughs> please take that out of context mm, we're yes. begging you <laughs> yeah but at first i thought they were angrily like charging me because i hit them and i'm like should i not hit them and I'm like these are dead ninjas they're killing me they're laid their corpses are landing on me and yeah, yeah, they this smush is, you they smush yeah. you and this is 100 percent a game that i would have pumped quarters in endlessly it's a quarter eater you could tell it is yeah yeah i I think first and foremost is really what it is about like if i didn't have the advantage of all right i'm full confession here um i don't know if the the other two of you that played this on the uh, anniversary collection that we got off steam um there is a beautiful beautiful feature of that game where you can just hit r and reverse and just like (laughs) just rewind and like just backtrack a mistake and that immediate this game went from like oh my god I, i'm like i'm like getting there trying i i'm struggling to beat level two 
to like I- I'm powering through and like it's and I, I get it. it it's made to munch quarters and I think this is actually a really interesting and kind of cool feature because it didn't take away the fun of the game or even the challenge because I still had to like you know beat it but I didn't have to, it wasn't since it's designed to kill you and make you spend more and more money to go forward I think that this is a cool happy like medium where it's like well this thing's designed to kill you but let's give you an advantage that you you know that since you don't have infinite quarters because that's almost kind of too easy at that point it doesn't matter how many how much you die you know I kind of just... like the idea of being able to like prince of persia turn things back and do yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's a good idea rather than just giving you infinite lives because then it's i think that that for me takes away some of the challenge because like it doesn't matter if i die in this one it does matter if i die uh but i have to i still have to solve the puzzle i can't you know i even if i rewind it i still have to figure my way out of the situation i don't have to i'm, I'm just not powering through it with you know just infinite lives right because i didn't mess around with that too much uh in part because I was worried that it would feel kind of cheating and cheesing the system, but I did my last couple of playthroughs of it. I was messing around with it and I did have a similar feeling of this feels more like a a modern update on how to make this kind of feel like you're playing in an arcade, but you're not. Yeah. Uh, But real quick, going back to the art design, like every, every time I would boot it up and just be sitting there, I was shocked by the amount of detail and this goes back to what, what Lana was saying by how much emotion that they seem to be able to show in the mini bosses, in the ninjas falling, but just the details on those trees, you know, yeah. the, the stars twinkling in the sky. Mm. There's just something so neat about that. Like a lot of thought was put into the overall design of this game long before you would have thought that a game would have that much thought into the design. Yeah, I mean, texture on the trees. Yeah. Who would have thought you would have had enough (laughs) pixels for that? And then poor little Sasuke tripping over a rock. (laughs) Uh, Before we start the show, Frank, you had like a you had a very particular kind of take on uh, how this felt for you. Yeah, so this is going to be kind of confusing unless it like suddenly dawns on you what I'm saying. But it felt like a modern retro game it felt like a game designed today uh, to feel like a game designed in the 80s both in the complexity of play but mostly in the actual design of the board and what have you it felt like a little indie game and honestly for a while because it was decently hard to find any information about it again i know people are going to be very outraged the people who are big fans of the game but it was hard for me to find any information so a while i was like is this really a game or is this some sort of like urban legend game that (laughs) that people are talking about in passing (laughs) uh but yeah no it is real and really pretty see and i i love scouring youtube to get because that's usually if somebody is a big mega fan of something there is going to be like a three hour retrospective of every teeny tiny little thing that's ever happened. (laughs) And shockingly, the most I've been, I was able to find on the YouTube, you know, uh, podcast sphere about this game were people saying about as much info as we had. This game came out in 1980. It's the first kind of showing of mini bosses. You play as, as Sasuke defend Shogun. And that that is pretty much all the info that's out there. So it feels suspicious. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the YouTube suggestions are just clips from Naruto. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So it was all just a viral advertising campaign we missed. <laughs> <laughs> it was a viral advertising campaign for Naruto in the in the 80s. Yep. <laughs> it's a long game. And uh, if you look at Sasuke moving when she when she moves across the board, there's it's just really impressive what they got. Yeah. It's really it looks it looks so interesting and so well done. And I don't even know. I think I looked this up. It's been a while. Uh, since we play this game in the vortex of time that is this podcast. Uh, but I don't even know if I know who produced this, who developed this game. Uh, SNK. Oh, really? Oh, that would mm-hmm. explain why there, it was yeah. part of the uh, <laughs> one of the, the package that I didn't get. Yep. <laughs> okay, it, was, it was one of the first cabinets that they produced. And I think I believe it was it... the third. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, like, like one. Yeah very very close to the beginning uh like i think there was maybe one other one in the 80s maybe two in 79 uh, and it was before they were fully going by snk like they were still going by shin nihon kikaku like that's how far back in the timeline this was oh wow no yeah the company was originally about selling stocks i believe which they then pivoted to making video games mm-hmm. like many a bro yeah <laughs> of course and oh also something called hamster corporation which the less we look into the better <laughs> <laughs> now i gotta google it <laughs> right oh, no, back, don't guys. google it <laughs> i will say though i think one of the reasons that it looks like a modern take on an old idea for lack of a better term is I think we were in this time where money hadn't kind of been the uh, the end all be all of the product yet. I, I could be wrong. I mean, this is literally the beginning of the 1980s, so we are literally in that like big giant consumer capitalism. Oh, isn't isn't you know capitalism awesome? Uh, kind of setting that was the 1980s. So we're just the beginning of that. But I think video games hadn't quite hit that stride yet. And you could really be an artist and kind of just do whatever you wanted to and make it and refine it to as good as you want it to be in the same way that an indie game does to an extent now where um, they have the individual working in their basement. You know, your Toby Foxes kind of can just I do something until they're until they feel they're done with it, um, as opposed to now where there's crunches and deadlines. Um, which there's, you know, uh, which I think is something that did eventually happen. We talk about like video game crash. A lot of that is born out of the beginning of crunch time and how there were pro- there was product that had to hit shelves. And all these creators and designers talk about how like, yeah, I this was not a finished product, but it had to go out. So that's what happened. You know, that's how Chase the Chuck Wagon happened is, you know, there was just product that needed to exist and then nobody played it anymore because it wasn't any good. Don't you dare speak ill of Chase the Chuck Wagon. (laughs) (laughs) What is Chase the Chuck Wagon? It was was an Atari game made uh, to promote uh, a type of dog food. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so like another type of Pepsi Man. Yeah, it was kind of, Yeah. yeah. Only exactly uh, if you uh, pay uh, careful attention, uh, dogs don't really play video games that much. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't quite didn't quite make it. 
Oh man, I like I I really want to I want to be a fly on the wall for where that discussion came from. Where mm. someone from Atari, I'm or... genius from Atari. Yes, yep. <laughs> <laughs> we can call it what it is: yeah. a genius, a genius. Approach that manufacturer. I I was I can't remember the name of the oh, what was it was it was the dog food that had the the cowboy uh carriage it was, wasn't it chuck wagon wasn't it, it might have just been chuck wagon yeah yeah i think it was perina chuck wagon that's it i think you're right yeah but that's uh, did, did atari approach them and say hey we can do you a video game or were they were like listen we got to get to these kids and their doggos <laughs> how do we do that video games yeah because children buy their own dogs food uh mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely but I think that's that's the case. I think that's why this looks as good as it does because it didn't quite. We weren't at that crunch moment where you did you couldn't refine things. That was a long journey, but I get what you said. What you say? See, I I just pulled up my notes and I do have it listed out. Yeah, the very first release they did was Ozama Wars in 1979, which was in the same kind of vein, but more space shooter, not ninjas. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they did Safari Rally, also in in the 80s. And then uh, there was maybe another game or two before they got to Vanguard and we're like, oh, video games. We got this now. We have an idea. <laughs> yeah, Vanguard's uh that's a big one. Yeah, that yeah. was that was their first like big, big one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and this was they went from being a software hardware developer and then we're like, oh, video games. Video games seem to make use of these two things that we specialize in. Let's just give it a shot. Who knows? Maybe we'll make money. And then here they are now. Now, the now everybody history. knows. That <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think Al's point was good, yeah. but I also think, like I, I think even the designers back then were definitely in it for the money, right? But they weren't. It wasn't like it wasn't backed by a corporate mechanism that said just crunch until it comes out. Exactly. And then, yeah. So like the, the people who are doing this definitely wanted to get your quarters, uh, but. Man, yeah, the the artistry was still there. I wonder if we're just being we're waxing poetic about 1980s video games, but (laughs) I don't know. It it really does seem like this game deserves it. Yeah, and and it is a shame that like the more I looked into this and the less they came back, the more I was feeling. Man, I really hope that there is some kind of weird resurgence and love and or respect for this game because it is really cool and really fun and it is you can just spend 10 minutes of your time playing it and come out of it going no that was that was cool that was neat sasuke versus commander absolutely yeah uh and if this podcast becomes the seed of that for someone who wants to go and do the research neat i would love just a full documentary Please, I am somebody for... bring us the love, Sasuke heads. Yeah. Yes, I I want this podcast to be like Super Best Friends was for Yakuza in the West, <laughs> but for Sasuke and Commander. <laughs> so, how do we feel about this? Like, I mean, like we, what was our opinions? What's our big takeaway uh, after playing Sasuke versus Commander? We've talked a little bit about the history of it and what we, what, what the artistry that it had. But how did was it as a game? Did we like it? Did we think it was good? I'm gonna level with you. I enjoyed the actual gameplay elements, but all of the f- super flashing lights gave me a little bit of a headache. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. This game was a bit of migraine bait for me as well. So it it was a play it for five to ten minutes, put it down for a bit, and then yeah. go back to it. 
Oh man, uh, I uh, Frank, how about you? Because I was in this thing for hours. Uh, I understand what uh, what they mean by uh, migraine fuel because yeah, the, the, or uh, it, it really was hard to watch at one point or other. But in the modern environment, you can adjust a decent amount of those settings: uh, the flicker, the glare, the brightness of your screen. I think this game has great historical weight. I think you have to find the right way to play it in a modern world, mm. right? Not only do you have to find the right place to get it most likely emulated in some way or, or ported at very least, but um, find the right settings like you did with your the R key because it was flashy and fast and I just kept dying. And the only options I had seemed to make it less fun. Give myself many, many, many more lives or just like, you know, slow the rate of the entire game. I couldn't figure out the sweet spot to make it legitimately fun, but I was amazed by everything I saw, if that makes any sense. Yep. So you yeah. got to find the right setting uh, or else you'll get headaches like our, our two co-hosts. See, that's another reason why I want to find the arcade cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. actually having it physically, like just laid out in front of you, and just dark into arcade room would be so much nicer. We'd have to run a GoFundMe to find enough quarters <laughs> to keep you in the game long enough. Yeah. And I do I do want to add a little caveat to that that Falana and I do both struggle with chronic migraines. So we are more inclined towards it, but it is something that is worth uh the audience keeping in mind if you do go out and find a copy of this. Yeah. Like Frank said, trying to adjust it for a way that is going to be most palatable for you is a good thing to have in mind when going at it. What about you, Al? You haven't told us uh, other than being in it for hours. What were you? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Okay. I was, yeah. I had, I had tons of fun with it. No, you were, uh, you were I, kicking the, the, the walls. All right. Yeah, I was, I was absolutely <laughs> in on, in on this. When I found that reverse key, everything seemed to click and I, I couldn't put it down. I was, I was in the tank. Maybe and... that's it. Maybe you figured it out. Maybe that's the proper gameplay for, for us today. Play it and make liberal use of that reverse key. Yep. Cause yeah. it was, yeah. it still felt fun. It still felt like, cause I had to earn, I still had to earn every life I had. Like, you know, like I, uh, and, and it, even with it, there were still times where I caught myself in a position where like, there's no way out. I can't backwards my way out of this. Like I, unless I restart the entire level from scratch, like I just got to let myself die. Um, and like, sometimes I was just what you had to do because like there, you, like you would kill someone in a certain way and, uh, you know, fight the, the shurikens were coming down. So it just came down to like, no, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> let this one go. But it was fun, man. I was, I, I like, I'm not usually, I, I, I'm lying. No, I am usually into this type of thing. I love Galaga. I've been a huge fan of this kind of genre. I'm going to sit here and say, oh, I don't know. I haven't really played like, no, I, I have played. I haven't played a lot of them, but the ones that I have played, I've, I've been in love with. And I, I have a pile of like Gradius games that I still have to get around to playing. But I love this genre. So like f seeing this and uh, seeing what it actually was when I finally got around to playing it, I was I was pretty happy. And I think it was it's a really fun spin on what you typically get or typically got with these kind of games. Yep. Because instead of it being in space, it, it's ninjas. Yep. Oh, it was, it was great. Oh, man. But yeah, this was a joy. Just kind of having us all like really revisit like an, a forgotten arcade classic. Um, I want to thank you guys for coming in. Frank, thanks again for joining us on our very special episode. 
Um, really appreciate you coming in and giving your perspective. You're welcome. I don't know the way out. I, I don't know how to get out of here. It's very special episode. Oh, oh yeah. no! <laughs> I mean, listen, Sorry. we got out of the basement by time traveling, and where will Frank go next? You know what's interesting? <laughs> I time traveled into this same basement. It was very, it just in, the, in 1980, I was very lucky oh. that there was an arcade here at the time. Yep. You're temporarily changed to the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.